Hi, my name is Stephen Bryant, and I want to welcome you to episode four of the RelativityChallenge.com podcast. You might recall that in episode two of the series, I introduced you to the math problem in Einstein's 1905 derivation. And at that time, I said that to offer my model as an alternative before first identifying the problem in Einstein's work would be essentially putting the cart in front of the horse. So if the math problem in Einstein's 1905 derivation was the horse, which we've already talked about, then today I'd like to begin talking about the cart. In this episode, I'm going to introduce you to the concept of complete and incomplete coordinate systems. And, and it's this concept of different types of coordinate systems that distinguishes my model from Einstein's theory, which only has one type of coordinate system. But before we jump into that, I want to answer a question that came up as a result of my stores presentation and also in episode two of the podcast. And the question typically sounds like this. Steve, if you're right and there is a mistake, why does Einstein and everyone else get it right in their derivations, in their other derivations? And my answer is, I don't think it's the right question. A better question is, Steve, if you're right and there is a mistake, why does Einstein and everyone else come up with the same answer, which are the equations that Einstein found in his 1905 paper? This is a good question, and the reason I like this question over the first version is because I don't believe everyone is getting the right answer, but I will agree that people are getting the same answer. So let's consider why they're getting the same answer. And in order to see this, I'm going to refer you to the under to my hotel puzzle on the website. If you've read the puzzle, then you know that what makes it interesting is you come up with the wrong answer, even though every single math statement given in the puzzle is true when considered individually. However, when taken as a complete story, you find that one of the equations, again, while mathematically true, doesn't apply and shouldn't have been used in that puzzle. The same thing can be said about each of the other derivations, both Einstein's and that other people have done. In a nutshell, they suffer from independent and dependent variable confusion. Remember, by our working definition, an independent variable is simply one that you provide the values for, or input variables. Now, the easiest way to see the problem for yourself in either Einstein's other work or the other derivations is to first identify the variables that you're going to provide values for. Write them down on a piece of paper, and then next to each variable, write the word independent. In fact, if you're so inclined, go ahead and write down the value that, you're, that you intend to give uh, that particular variable when you use it. Now, whenever you introduce or use a new equation as part of the derivation, just check to confirm that you haven't inadvertently used one of those independent variables as a dependent variable. So for example, while the equation x equals ct has meaning and is a valid math statement, it cannot be used if c is a constant and both x and t are independent variables. Either x or t would need to be a dependent variable, and if they're both going to be independent, then c cannot be a constant. And it's this confusion between dependent and independent variables that allows Einstein and others to come up with the same equations that Einstein found in his 1905 paper. So with that question and answer behind us, I'd like to dive into the main topic of today's talk, which is coordinate systems. 
And the way I'm going to do this is with some examples I'd like you to visualize. Now, as I walk through the examples, don't think about Einstein's explanation of how things behave. Remember, we're going to build this model from the ground up. And given that I've previously explained that there is a problem with Einstein's derivation, this is what gives us the freedom to explore an alternative, one that is not constrained by Einstein's view. I'm going to begin by identifying the objects we're going to work with today. We're going to work with a truck, a large bird, and a long stretch of highway. You might find it useful to close your eyes to visualize the examples as I walk through them. Also, I hope to give the examples without diving into a lot of math, because it's really the concepts that I want to get across today. My goal today is to define three terms. The first is called a coordinate system. And the other two terms are variations of this basic coordinate system that I call a complete coordinate system and an incomplete coordinate system. Let's start by defining the more generic coordinate system. Simply put, a coordinate system has two key features. First, it's something that we can measure. In fact, this is basically all you need for a coordinate system. But without something else going on, it's not very interesting. What makes things interesting and fun is when we take motion into consideration. So the second feature we consider is when we take one coordinate system and put it into motion with respect to another coordinate system. So at its highest level, these two characteristics of a coordinate system are what Einstein tried to reconcile and explain with special relativity. So let me give you a real-world example of a coordinate system. Take a stretch of straight, flat highway or a long stretch of road. Somewhere along the highway, stop and select a location to call the origin or the place that you're going to start measuring distance from. At this location, paint a large zero on the ground. Now you have a job to do. Beginning at this point, walk down the highway and measure the distance in meters. As you count off each meter, just put a mark on the ground. Essentially, you're creating the world's largest ruler. In concept, this is no different than the mile markers you might see as you drive along a highway or a freeway in the United States, except that your marks are measured in meters, and of course, there'll be a lot more of them. So now that you've measured the highway, this becomes your first coordinate system. The second coordinate system is something we're going to put into motion. In this case, a flatbed semi-truck. Put the truck on the highway so that the rear of the truck is located at the zero mark. The nice thing about doing this is that the front of the truck is at a certain mark on the highway. Remember, we marked off the entire length of highway so that we could use it like a giant ruler. The mark not only tells us the location of the front of the truck, but because the rear of the truck is at zero, it also tells us the length of the truck. For the sake of our conversation today, let's call the mark where the front of the truck is located X prime. Now, I'm also going to ask you to place marks along the side of the truck, evenly spaced one meter apart. So now that we've measured the truck, this becomes our second coordinate system. As I mentioned earlier, things become interesting when we put one coordinate system in motion with respect to another coordinate system. In this case, we simply put the motion, put the truck in motion and move it along the highway. 
The motion of the truck is governed by the Newtonian transformation equations. And what this means is that if we know how fast the truck is moving and how long it has been traveling, we simply multiply those two numbers together, add it to the position that the front of the truck used to be at, and that will tell us where the front of the truck is now. And for today's conversation, that's all you need to know about a basic coordinate system. It's not much harder than that. Now I'd like to introduce you to two variants that make my model different than the one proposed by Einstein. First, let's modify the truck a bit. Put a three meter high pole at the rear center of the truck and another three meter high pole at the front center of the truck. Because we've already said the length of the truck is X prime, we know that the distance between these poles is X prime meters. Now we introduce a bird into the picture. And we're going to give the bird one job and one job only. It needs to fly from the rear pole to the front pole and then back to the rear pole as fast as it possibly can. So when the truck isn't moving, the bird can do this without any trouble whatsoever. And we can time how long it takes the bird to do this. Now let's put the truck in motion. As long as the truck is traveling slower than the bird can fly, the bird will always be able to fly from the rear pole to the front pole and back again. But if the truck is traveling faster than the bird can fly, the bird will never reach the front. So it won't be able to do what we've asked it to do. So let's, let's make the truck go a little bit slower than the bird can fly. So that when the bird is flying towards the front of the truck, it will take a longer amount of time to reach the front pole than when the truck was stationary. And when the bird is flying towards the rear pole, it would take a shorter amount of time to reach that pole, again, than when the truck was stationary. Don't worry about the math behind this, just think about the concept. Now to complete the picture, we're going to put a cage over the entire truck so that it covers the bird and the poles completely. Think of it as, as a cage being carried by the truck such that the bird can't escape. He can, the bird, while he can't escape, can still do what we've asked him to do, as long as the truck doesn't go faster than the bird can fly. Now, this is an example of an incomplete coordinate system. So without going into a lot of math, there are two points I want to make about an incomplete coordinate system. First, is that we have the, we've asked the bird to do something with respect to the moving system. And second, the bird is traveling through the medium, in this case air, that isn't sufficiently contained by that moving system. What this means is that the bird has to flap its wings more times to do what we've asked it to do than when the truck was stationary. Now notice how things change if instead of a cage, we put a complete enclosure, four walls and a roof on top of the flatbed truck. In this case, we still ask the bird to do the same thing, to fly back and forth between the poles. But now because the medium again, air, that the bird is traveling through is completely contained, the bird's behavior is no different than when the truck wasn't in motion. In other words, the bird is able to do what we've asked it to do, and it will flap its wings the same number of times as it did when the truck was stationary. This is an example of a complete coordinate system. So give these examples some thought, and if you want to see the math behind them, see either my original paper on complete and incomplete coordinate systems, or my paper on understanding time. 
But I do want to restri- return to Einstein for a moment. Remember, earlier I mentioned that Einstein only had one type of coordinate system, and this is the basis for the two conceptual differences between my model and his theory. First, in my model, I've associated the revised transformation equations to an incomplete coordinate system, and the postulates, or the rules for how things behave in a consistent way, to a complete coordinate system. Einstein, having only one type of coordinate system, associates both to the same thing. Second, I make a distinction between the equations for the distance traveled by the truck and the equation for the distance flown by the bird. In Einstein's model, there's a little confusion as he uses the equation for the bird as the location for the truck. Now, Einstein doesn't use birds and trucks in his derivation, but if you understand this example and then you reread section two of his 1905 paper, you'll see how they apply and what Einstein is really trying to do. So I'd like to recap a few points. First, a coordinate system is simply something we can measure. What makes things interesting is when we put coordinate systems in motion with respect to one another. Second, when thinking about complete and incomplete coordinate systems, remember, we're asking for something to happen with regard to a moving system. In our example, we wanted the bird to fly back and forth between the two poles. And what distinguishes a complete coordinate system from an incomplete coordinate system is that in a complete coordinate system, the medium that that something is traveling through has been completely contained by the moving system and is moving with respect to the moving system too. And that is not the case with an incomplete coordinate system. I know this is a lot of material, but I wanted to introduce these key concepts as we're going to keep continuing to come back to them in future episodes. So it's my hope that from today's episode, you walk away with a better understanding of coordinate systems, both the basic type as well as the basic ideas behind a complete and an incomplete coordinate system. And I hope that you realize that this is a key distinction between my model and Einstein's theory. And it's this distinction and the introduction of a medium that allows us to keep the corrected equations and at the same time make some new predictions that, have, that do not have the same types of constraints or limitations or paradoxes that were associated with special relativity. Before we wrap up today's show, I want to remind you that I've changed the location of the pod shows. They are located at my blog, which is blog, B-L-O-G, at relativitychallenge.com. You can subscribe to the RSS feed from that location, and you can also find it in iTunes. Also, I'd like to hear your feedback, your thoughts, comments, and suggestions. So feel free to drop me a note at email at relativitychallenge.com. So this brings us to the conclusion of episode four of the relativitychallenge.com podcast. Today's music was provided by Black Lab from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. You'll find them at music.podshow.com. This show is copyright 2007 by Stephen Bryant and RelativityChallenge.com. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you'll return again next time. Until then, be well.